Yeah, man. Uh, look, and uh, I'll tell you what, we've got the right bloke to talk to us too. Del Wel- uh, Wildford is on the phone with us. Del, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm just going to start with this, and can you just correct me on it? It's 100 miles a day. Is that right? 100 miles a day, 21 stages that these guys have to uh, get through. Man, that's that's tough. Yeah, it is tough. Um, you've got you know, it's 23 days, two, a couple of rest days thrown in, so 21 stages. This tour's around 3,400 kilometres. So, yeah, there's, there's some really big days. Oh. Uh, the longest stage is around 180 kilometres, and... Yeah, that, the, the distance is one thing. You've got the heat, and then you've also got the elevation of the mountains. So, so Del, Del, take us through like the the context of the racing, because I know there's teams, there's individuals. You've got all these different coloured shirts that represent, um, you know, your yellow shirt, your green shirt, your polka dot shirt. For I think that's a, the the king of the mountains. What sort of what sort of physical, um, I guess how west do these guys have to be in to, to, to last 21 stages at that, at 100 miles a day? Well, you, you know, you're extremely fit, aren't you? You know, you, you've, you prepare, riders prepare all year now for the Tour de, well, for the Tour de France. They always have, you know, the start of the season, they map, the team will map out a long list of riders. Uh, they want to prepare for the three Grand Tours. There's, there's the Giro d'Italia in Italy, the Tour de France, and the Vuelta of Spagna at the end of the year. So the three Grand Tours, They'll have within their squad riders that they'll target, maybe Giro Vuelta, and then just the Tour de France squad. And then within those squads, each squad comes into the Tour with a with a different uh, motivation, different goals. You know, we, they don't all have riders that can ride for the overall classification in, in the yellow jersey. Um, and the, the team of you know, Jesper Philipson, who's the, the top sprinter in the Tour at the moment with another stage win today, he leads that green jersey competition. Yes, that team's focus as they come into the tour is to win stages. So um, mm. that's his goal. Vingago's team is, and, and Pagatza's team is to chase the general classification. And then you'll have some teams that have a little bit of a mix of both. Yeah, they might want to chase a stage win, but also have someone ride in that top 10. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of different strategies within, within the different teams of the race. Yeah, so yeah, I was, that was my kind of next question. Like, how much is it actually a generally a team event? Is it more focused on them? Because you mate, you basically just hear about the yellow jersey, but you kind of paint the picture of the green jersey, the kind of tactics, the specialists that that ride each stage. So it is, yeah. So it's team, but it's also an individual that that get all the accolades. Yeah, cycling is one of those sports where you've got a, a bunch of rugged individuals that have to work as a team. Um, so some of the riders know they'll come into the tour. Uh, you'll get Tim DeClerc who rides for, for, for Lotto. You know, he just, they call him the tractor because he's just on the front day in, day out. He rides more kilometres on the front of the race than anybody else protecting his team leader. You've got guys, uh, you know, Seth Kuss who rides for, for Vingago and Jumbo Visma who's still sitting in the top 10 overall. His job is to be the last man standing beside Vingago in the mountains. You've got Wout Van Aert, one of the premier winners in, in cycling um, as his role over the next sort of week of the tour is going to be in the mountains, do as much as he can for Vingago, yet he could be winning you know, winning himself and really chasing stages, but he sacrifices all that during the tour to look after really one man, so yeah, you, the, the team is picked with, with a certain goal and um, that the other riders in the team uh, they, they, share, they share in the and the joys, and they're paid to do the job. But you're, you're right. You know, if you're watching it casually, you think, "Gosh, that guy gets all the all the accolades." And 
you know, the other seven or guys have done all the work for them, but they don't really get a, a lot of credit. But, they, you know, they do do the real cycling fans. They know what's going on. Um, you know, out of the three billion people that watch the tour, there's a, there's a lot of people that are starting to understand how it works, how it evolves. Um, but it, it's definitely looking after team leaders and having different goals going into the race and that changes through three weeks it's a long sporting event you've got to stay healthy you've got to stay upright you've got to have a lot of, a lot of things also in your favor to to get through the tour de france okay so defending champion jonas vinegar from denmark has held the yellow jersey since stage six but only 17 seconds ahead of taja pokaka we're talking 46 hours of racing for there to be just seven, 17 seconds between first and second at the moment is quite remarkable. Is that normal for the Tour de France? It's become, uh, over the last few years, it's, it's been a little bit more like that. I think the, the closest uh, margin at the end of three weeks was eight seconds uh, back in Greg Mons' days. So it was eight, eight seconds. Le Mans won on the very last stage into Champs-Élysées, which was a, a time trial stage. And he, he beat the Frenchman, Laurent Frignon, by eight seconds after three-odd thousand kilometres and 21 days of racing. So it can certainly come down to the wire. And I think this race is going to go all the way as well. We've seen Pogaccio uh, crack on one day where Miguel got got the time. We've seen Mingo crack just a little bit, not a whole lot. And Pogaccio pick up some seconds. Uh, and so those guys have got you know, a fairly good buffer in that first and second. But then you've got Joe Henley, who won the Giro d'Italia in Italy uh, last year. He's there. He's 2 minutes 40 down. And Rodriguez, um, you know, 222. They're not out of it. Yeah, things can go wrong on the tour. You could crash. You could puncture at the wrong time. You could, you could get sick overnight. You know, so there's a lot to race for. There's guys down there in you know, that, that ninth, tenth place. They're going to be chasing hard for it to try and get onto the podium. So a lot will change potentially could change over the next three days. We're back into the mountains. And then the, the penultimate day of the tour is also brutally hard, a really, really big mountain stage. So I think this race will come down to that second last day of the tour. Hey, Del, what have you heard about the mountain stage? Like, you know, we see it on TV. I was just talking to the boys. That helicopter shot where they're coming up over the hill, you know, when you get that, that cam shot, which is directly at the bikes, you can't see the gradient. But when they come up over the hill, you think, man, how the hell did they get up there on a bike? <laughs> like, have you heard conversations around how difficult those hills are actually um, – I guess over these yeah, twenty-one stages to, yeah, I know to, to navigate. Ah, <laughs> uh, that, that brutal. Like watching Paradome um, the other day, which is just a big volcano that sticks out, out of nowhere, and it, it's just an unbelievably steep climb. Um, watching the, the best riders in the world ride up there, at, you know, they were doing 17, 18 kilometres an hour, which is incredibly fast. I think for, for for someone like me to ride on that gradient, I'd probably be doing. If I wasn't walking, it would be at about four to six kilometres an hour. Um, during the race, you'll see on various mountain climbs, they have, have uh, Strava, which is just sort of like a global, you know, measures certain courses and distances and hill climbs where people set records and you can become the, you know, the record holder. So we're seeing some of these big climbs where we saw, I saw one the other day. Uh, the, the record was 17 minutes. The average punter rides up there in about 28 minutes. So that's an average good amateur cyclist um, wow. and the, the pro the pros rode up there in 13 minutes so it, it, the <laughs> level is just an, insane and the speed they ride like watching today's stage they're coming in it's a flat stage a stage for the sprinters but they were riding at 80 kilometers an hour um 
it, it, it's incredibly fast. The, the, the shoulder to shoulder, using every inch of the road, and you know they they have lycra as protection if the things go bad. Uh, <laughs> oh. I can. I'm trying to picture Kempi and a bit of lycra here, and I uh, think everyone wants to see a bit of that because he loves his cycling. Maybe uh, we'll we'll get him into it. But mate, just just quickly on, on uh, vinegar. In your eyes, is he the rider that could win again this year and potentially be a force for years to come? Uh, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. He's, he's in the box seat. He's got the yellow jersey. He's got a powerful team. He he likes riding in the Alps, so they start, the race started in the Pyrenees, and some riders prefer the Pyrenees to the Alps because the, the gradients, the, the conditions, the road surfaces, etc. He likes the Alps. He performs in the Alps. They... they they believe, so the Yumbo Visma team believes Teddy Pogaccio will, will crack at some stage in the Alps. Uh, the, the, the heat, he, he has cracked in the heat before. They believe they've got the team to put pressure on. But I think, uh, you know, Pogaccio's learnt a lot as well. He's, he's in the white jersey of the best young rider. It's hard to believe he's won the tour, you know, twice and, and still the best young rider in the race. He's learnt, he's learnt a lot. He's looking strong. Um, I don't, I can't pick it. And, you know, with with this far, eleven stages into the race, and it's so tight, um, you just can't pick who's. You know, it's going to come down to very fine margins, um, doing everything right on the bike. What the team does on the bike, you know, it, your nutrition, you're keeping cool, getting enough water, taking water when you don't really need it, eating when you don't want to. Um, you know, those those little margins are going to be what decides this tour. I think. Yeah, look, 17 seconds, um, Dell. that's, you know, after 11 stages, it's going to be a tight one. Just want to talk about the Kiwis, uh, Corbin Strong, who's racing for Israel, Premier Tech, and Dion Smith for Intermark. How are their tours going and on both at individual and team level? Yeah, brilliantly. Corbin Strong's having a fantastic tour. Um, you know, he's, he's a young man, 20, 23 years of age, and making his debut in the tour, and he's he was up there again today in, in the sprint today. He was 14th in, in today's stage. He was 9th on stage 8, uh, 15th on stage 1. He's learning so much in this tour that he's a genuine contender uh, yeah, for a stage 1. He's getting up there in those big bunch sprints without a team dedicated to him to get him into the into a bunch sprint. Uh, but, you know, like he doesn't have seven riders leading him out, protecting him. He's doing a great job surfing wheels and gaining experience and, and getting himself up there in some like just absolutely insane situations um, with the speed, the, the margin of error. But he, he's proved he's one of the you know, world's best riders at doing that. So he's having a fantastic uh, Tour de France. Dion Smith, he was saying he's, he's got a job to do. He's looking after the year of train rider that rides for him to Marche. Um, and he, you know, the year of train is not quite following the wheels of the team and but he's, get, he's up there. But Dion today, like 12 kilometres out, I was watching, and there's Dion on the front looking around, looking for his teeth. Hey, where is he? You know, I'm trying to put him in position, and he's not there. And he's an experienced rider, Dion. He's in his third Tour de France, and even though we don't see a lot of him or you don't see him in the breakaways, he's just doing an amazing job for, for his team leader and uh, having a really strong, solid Tour de France. And I think as the race goes on, and there's not a lot more opportunities for sprinters, but I think we'll see both Corbin and, and Dion, you know, to the fore and the stages that suit them. Mate, are you getting any sleep? Are you sleeping much or are you just casting <laughs> your one eye over this and one eye is closed so you're getting half asleep? Oh, mate, I tell you, the first 10 days of the tour, <laughs> it started in the Pyrenees and uh, I, usually the first week of a tour is just for the sprinter so you can sort of just get up and watch the sprint in the morning but it started this year 
in the Pyrenees. It was the most exciting tour of start I can remember. So the first 10 days, I felt like I was watching the last week of the tour and I was hanging out for the rest day myself. So I can't imagine how the riders were feeling. <laughs> oh, awesome, mate. We appreciate you coming in and uh, we've sent a message uh, come through. Tour de France, Unchained on Netflix. We'll get, get into that. We'll give you a massive appreciation for everyone involved. Dal Woodford, Kiwi cycling commentator. We appreciate you joining us on the show and just giving us a little inkling of what's going on in the Tour de France. Thanks so much, mate. Appreciate your time. Pleasure, guys. Cheers. There he is. Dal Woodford talking uh, Tour de France. I'm going to watch that. Unchained on Netflix. I'm looking for a new show at the moment and uh, really going to get involved, mate. Uh, you watch all those sports docos, mm. you know, First Serve, uh, Drive to Survive. They've got an NFL one coming up as well. It just really paints a picture of, of what's going on. So I'm going to take that offer up. But um, just on that, we're going to shoot off. We're going to shoot off because... We're coming back with Kempi's off the back fence, and I think it's only fitting we give him enough time to hear what he has to say. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse.